Chapter 15 of The Sorrows of a Showgirl, A Story of the Great White Way by Kenneth McGaffey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Sabrina has a row with the stage manager, leaves the show, frivols in the vineyard, denounces the male sex as being all alike, threatens to take the veil, but finally falls upon the neck of her betrothed and all is forgotten we came upon sabrina seated alone at a table in the rear of a cafe her hat was tilted rakishly over one ear a couple of strands of hair were hanging down over her forehead a bright spot glowed on each cheek and her eyes had a dim moist appearance the table was covered with glasses and bottles and the chairs looked as if they had been hastily shoved back as we approached her she waved her hand joyfully and exclaimed welcome to springtime welcome to our country village you you behold in me the only living survivor of the wreck of hesperus pray to rat up and give the way to your hat coat and vest and bevy in though i have just given nineteen dollars worth of hair puffs away as sue suvin you say it i feel like a newborn child once again i am carefree and heart-free tra-la-la-la-lee i have just decorated wilbur with the sacred order of the bee and i hooray hooray am no longer a near bride take it from me i feel so happy i don't care if i get spots all over the front of my waist i feel like a lark yes sure a bottled and bound lark whatever that is and i still got the engagement ring at that waiter waiter garcon this gentleman has a few words to say to you and don't take no for an answer oh yes you arch your eyebrows and suspicioning and say that i've been two-stepping around the juniper bowl and i will answer right oh just like that I make it a rule to celebrate all suspicious occasions by revelry and good cheer. Oh, won't I have a head in the morning? But now, behold, I appear as Columbine. I toil not, neither do I spin. Listen, my dear, the last two days have been fraught, whatever that is, with incidences that would bring gray hairs to the head of much stronger women than I. It came off last night i was out to supper with a couple of gentlemen wilbur and another gent we were so busy talking things over that i didn't get to the theatre until the middle of the first act my i never saw a man so peevish as that stage manager i had no more than exchanged the courtesies of the day with the stage doorkeeper and asked after his sick child than that mutt-faced sneeze that calls himself a stage manager had the nerve to rush up and find me five dollars what do you think of that i told him that i positively refused to appear the rest of the evening then he told me that i was fired what do you know about that i said calm and dignified like the perfect lady i am all right you can do as you please with your old show i don't care i don't care nothing bothers me and with those kind words i caper up to the dressing-room and take that expensive gown i wear in the third act 
and stuck it in the washbowl and turned on the water. It needed cleaning anyway. Then I put a few things that ought to belong to me in my makeup box and beat it. I had to kiss everybody in the company goodbye, and that made the stage wait, and the manager came chasing around without any goat and told me never to darken his door again. That's all right with me. His bloomin' door was dark enough anyway. Then I waltz back to where Wilbur and the gentlemen are and break the news. Wilbur gets sore, for since I commenced wearing those pink tights, he doped out a great dramatic career for me. And naturally he was vexed, for he saw no show of being able to lay off work. Wilbur started to chide me. I was in too gray a nervous in this state to be chide, and I told him so. Did he have compassion and pity on me in my vicissitudes? No, absolutely no. I says, all right, old top, if you look at it that way, I guess I can bear up through the heat of the day without your assistance. And if it's just the same to you, I will toddle right along and peddle my matches. Wilbur pricks up his ears at those few words and tries to copper his remarks, but not for a minute could I see through the fog. I just gather up my skirt and sweep majestically out of the room, jump into taxicab and proceed to hunt pleasure and relaxation. What do you know about that? Ah, here is the little waiter with his shining morning face. Give me another one of the same, and keep your eagle eye on these gentlemen's mugs, and see that they do not get dry. Say, take it from me, if I felt any better, I'd break out in a rash. I absolutely have no regard for the future. I don't care whether school keeps or not, and curfew can wring her young head off for all I care. I am going to make old Omar feel like a temperance lecturer before I get through this celebration. I am willing to drink everything but Merry Widow cocktails, for they make you want to steal your own clothes. I was expecting to enjoy a box at Ted Marks's big powwow at the New York this afternoon, but I fear me about that time the only thing I will be in condition to attend will be the usual hangover party in the Metropole. Mr. Marks is sure the one clever party. He's going to organize a club called the Human Night Keys. Anyone that goes to bed before daylight is barred. Lee Harrison offered his services as sergeant of arms to see that the rule is observed. Now that summer's coming on, this sleep question is getting shoved off in a dark corner by itself. It always was a waste of time. I don't care a whoop for the best man that breathes, and now that I have slipped Wilbur the goodbye, I shall never fall in love with one of his sex again. Tell me, do I look all right? I haven't detailed the rest of this adventure, have I? Well, I left Wilbur and met a nice quiet party that was singing, We're afraid to go home in the dark, over in Jack's, and I at once began to mingle. They were all good fellows, so I nearly gave them heart trouble by ordering wine for the crowd. I will not endeavor to chronicle the amount of lush I tucked away. I will only state that if I had not been a good friend of the bellhops, I never would have gotten upstairs. Estelle, 
that's my maid was sitting up with her face to the pane waiting for me to come home and just to show her how grateful i was i gave her all of wilbur's pictures and all the change i had in my stocking waiter you are forgetting your duties in part i finally got to bed and then i pulled off the big cry booze you understand and not because i lost that hot air shooting lush working expense account grubbing wilder wilbur i should say not don't think that i wear pink tights and can't get the best man that ever breathed i am not a bit like that glaniscon's creature why she actually throws herself at the head of every man she meets honest you can't take her out to supper in a crowd before she's engaged to some two or three in the party fact ask any of the girls we all swore to tell the same story about her am i going back on the stage well i should hope so dear what do you think i would do with myself if i didn't have to beat it to the shop at least once a day i tried it once when i first got my fortune but life became so monotonous and i got so fat that i had to start rehearsing in order to get back to my former self say i think the last dipperful made me feel better waiter come out of your trance gee but i do feel great won't you all have a little something to eat a steak smothered in pickles or something like that go as far as you like you know i ain't that kind of a girl when I'm treating, there's no entry scratched. Go ahead, do as you please. I ain't going to get married, so I don't have to save my money. You just watch Wilbur Hedge. I got spies out, and they say he's been in every cafe in town looking for me. Wants to make up. Watch little Birdie here. If he comes monkeying around me again, I'll pick up one of these and knock him clean out from under his hat. Trifler how i ever fell for him certainly gets me how anybody could love a press agent or an actor gets me for that matter i've been crossed in love and am running no more chances i shall never get married never that statement is for publication i shall live in peace and quiet near some good cafe and drown my old age in mixed drinks you needn't think i am soused but i'm going to tell you this unless wilbur and i make up the friar festival will have to get along without my services why i got every john in town so bunked that every time they see me coming they take it on the run for some place that i can't get to em cause i lance em for a pair of seats every time our trails cross i lost eight dinner engagements last week just on that account and what do i get for it ice water that's all wilbur rushes up and demands more seats and the committee thinks he's having an awful rush of business and it's mull with my shoulder to the wheel i had a run in with wilbur already about the friar girl that harrison fisher drew on the front of the program wilbur told me that i could have the job and i finds out that he told everybody in the company the same thing press agents is crafty people and he can play both ends against the middle in a manner that would make your hair curl 
I don't care. I don't care. Wilbur can run and make faces at himself. Nothing bothers me. Waiter, are you asleep at the switch? I am no longer a fiancé. I am a free woman. Say, what are you going to do tomorrow? Let's get one of these taxicab things and see if we can't run it to death. I never found the limit yet on one of those gas meter attachments, and I am the inquisitive soul. Line out to Claremont or some of those foolish places. Sure, we'll start early, about noon, and enjoy the beautiful spring air and highballs. Are you on? Sure, I'll be there with my hair in a braid. I am the rural kid these days, and a stunt like that suits me from the ground up. Who's that coming in the door? Why, it's Wilbur. He sees me. Do I look all right? Here, Wilbur, here. S sit down and have a drink, dear. I've been looking for you everywhere. Forget that deal last night. So long, fellas. Waiter, give me the check. I don't care what becomes of my money now. End of chapter 15